Japanese, right? Well, thank you, Jenny, for playing uh, for me. That's my beautiful wife and my favorite pianist. So uh, try to keep her around with me. That way I sound better when I sing. Uh, we are, we're glad to be here. Our son, Josiah, is somewhere. I think he got lassoed into the teen room. All right. So we have a 15-year-old that's with us, and we have three older girls that aren't with us. They're already out in ministry, uh, ages 33, 31 and 28, I believe. And so we have uh, our oldest and youngest are teaching in Christian schools in Georgia and Florida. Sorry, wrong states. Georgia and Tennessee. Where did Florida come from? Uh, Georgia and Tennessee. And then our middle daughter is the only one that's married, and her name is Juliana, and she's married to a fellow who, and they are missionaries in New Zealand, Christ Church, New Zealand. So they have our three grandbabies, and it took them a long way away from us uh, when they went to New Zealand about three years ago, and when they did, my father-in-law came to me and he says, it's payback time. We took their grandkids all the way to Japan for 24 years. And so, uh, yeah, admission, being a missionary is a very uh, interesting thing. You know, when God puts it on your heart, sometimes when you look at missionaries, you may look at somebody and say, I could never do that. But really, we're just doing what God's put on our heart. So whatever God's put on your heart, to do for your life and in service to him, it really is no different. It isn't. We're, we're all a part of the family of God. We're all a part of the same team. We're, we all are needed in the harvest. Amen? And we are. And so I would love to encourage you about your participation in the harvest. It's not us that you see up here uh, who are teaching and preaching and singing this month uh, that are needed in missions, although we are, uh, but you as well, the church family are needed to remember the different parts of the world. And I love uh, the visitors that are up here. I guess they've been here all month, right? Uh, they don't say much, uh, but they sure are uh, great as far as decorations. And ha- how many of you have been by to see all the different countries and looked at the country names, tag, name tags that are on them? I, I came up here and looked at these guys. I don't know if these are the ones that are in heaven because of the blue uh, thing they're standing on, or is that them walking on the water? I can't quite tell. Uh, but I love those. And the ones out in the foyer, those are a real blessing. They help out with the missions decor, don't, don't they? But as we think about these places and these little cute little dolls, we think about fields that, where people need, need the Lord, amen? And we need to think about the great need of the harvest. That's what we're going to think of this morning in our lesson. And uh, let's see, what else do we need to tell you before I get started? We worked in Japan for 24 years. And a lot of people will say, Brother Harris, why Japan? Well, God puts things on our hearts. And you may be sitting here during the missions month, and God may put something on your heart to do for the Lord. That's basically what happened. Uh, We were in our first year of Bible college. My wife and I, we weren't married then. We met in high school, and we went all the way through Bible college before we got married. And I was sitting in a missions conference in Bible college in Atlanta, Georgia, at a school called Baptist University of America. My dad was the printer for the college. My mom was a secretary. And so that's where I went to school, mainly because I didn't want to go off to school to learn ministry, I was already a bus captain and had been for a couple of years, and I didn't want to leave ministry to go learn how to do ministry. So I stayed close to home. I was about 30 minutes away, 
And in that first missions conference, I was, we were told uh, that we were going to have a presentation one day about China. And I don't know why. I was really excited about China. And when I heard that, if they would have had a sign-up sheet, you know, down front for everybody to sign up on, I was, I was that excited. I, I would have signed up that day for China. Uh, and I had been saying all my life, Lord, here am I, send me. I really had. Any missionary that came through, it was always a puzzle to me. How do you know? I mean, everybody that comes through and shows their slides like they used to show, and now their presentations, I always wanted to go to every one. Uh, and, and how would you ever know? Well, God puts it on our hearts. And so while I'm watching the video presentation about China, I wasn't quite ready for what happened. Now, I had a missions teacher who taught Introduction to Missions, my favorite class in my first year of college, and he, he was a veteran missionary to Japan. So he said that first word I greeted you with earlier, ohayou gozaimasu, and he said that's the word for good morning. And I thought that was kind of neat to hear. I'd never heard that before that I can remember. And so I started to write it down, except I, I think I got the O written, and I couldn't remember the rest of the word. Well, there was a, a classmate of mine that sat closer to the front, and he was called to Japan. His name was Ed. And when this guy said anything about Japan, this guy... Uh, Ed would sit up front I, in his assigned seat. I would sit towards the back in my assigned seat. And I could see him. He just, he'd just be bent over writing these words down. Well, he, the teacher said the word for good afternoon is konnichiwa. That really stumped me. How do you spell that? Uh, did start, do you use a C? Do you use a K? And by the time I wrote, decided which of those letters I was going to try, I couldn't remember the rest of the word either. So about, about that time, I realized Japanese was not going to stay in this head. It really was not. And I did not feel called to Japan at all. Um, now, again, I grew up in Hawaii, so I had heard a lot of things about what the Japanese did to us on December 7th, 1941. I'm not that old, so I wasn't there. Uh, but I did see the remnants. I've stood as a little boy on the USS Arizona Memorial and seen the oil still leaking out of that casket of a ship that still holds hundreds of men's lives, uh, bodies in that casket. And so... As I grew up, I, I, I around me saw some sites uh, that, uh, that were still leftovers from December 7, 1941. And I don't know that I ever had a soft place in my heart about Japan. They, they were the bad guys. You know, they, were the, they were the ones that bombed us. And so it just was never of real interest to me. I never had a soft spot in my heart about them. And in fact, I don't think I ever met a, a missionary to Japan until my missions teacher started telling us about things about Japan. Still, we're... I learned real quick, I couldn't learn that language. So here I am in my first missions conference of, at Bible College, and this presentation is about China. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat just about in excitement as I'm listening about this, the country that, that, that it seems very interesting to me. Why was it of interest? Maybe I heard stories of Hudson Taylor when I was in Sunday school, I don't know. Uh, obviously never been there before in my life, and and I didn't know Chinese, but as I watched this presentation, it was a 10-minute presentation. Halfway through it, it was like somebody came up behind me and whispered something in my ear. It was so clear. Now, I didn't hear a voice, but the thought came to my mind while I'm watching this presentation about China, Japan. And I began to wonder, where did that come from? And I was really kind of surprised by it. Now, I've been saying all my life, Lord, here am I, send me. But when that happened, I kind of said, Lord, here am I, send me somewhere else. I didn't really wasn't. I, I, I had two thoughts. Number one, the language is too hard. I already heard 
at least two or three words in it, right? And I couldn't think, I couldn't remember those, so that language is too hard. Guess what? Chinese is probably harder. And uh, then the next thought I had was this. It's too far away from home. So that's the thoughts I had that rationalized in my mind that that's not where I was supposed to go, even though China's further than Japan. So it's interesting how we might think. That day I did not surrender to the Lord. I did not know that was the Lord. It just was a thought that came to me, and it seemed like it passed just as quickly because I didn't say, Lord, here am I. Send me. And for the rest of my time in Bible college, while until my senior year, uh, it seemed like God disappeared. I tried surrendering to different ministries, to being a pastor, assistant pastor. I tried surrendering to being a, a youth pastor and working in uh, uh, rescue mission work. About the only major we didn't have was working in a nursery, and I didn't want to sign up for that anyway. But uh, I, I tried surrendering. In fact, literally, as, as preachers would come to our chapel service, and we'd have invitations, I'd walk down the aisle, and I'd get on my knees, and I'd say, Lord, if you want me to be a pastor, I, I surrender all. Lord, here am I. And nothing. No direction, no, no urging on my heart, no burden uh, from the Lord. And so I went that way all the way through Bible college. And I mean, here I am entering my senior year, not knowing what God, I'm going to do with my life and what God wants for me. I'm still a bus pastor. I led people to Christ every week. And I was still involved in ministry, but it had kind of gotten not fun anymore. It was, I was kind of going through the motions. And since the Lord had left, it was like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. I, I didn't have peace in my heart. I didn't have joy in my heart. And I really had gotten to the point where I, my heart was cold. And that bothered me. But the Lord began to stir my, the embers in my heart again and, and uh, bring me back to the place where he wanted me. And uh, Preachers would get up and preach, and the Holy Spirit was just ringing me out. I would be at the altar uh, in tears. And I remember on three occasions getting on my knees and saying, Lord, what, 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 what are you doing in my heart? And I couldn't figure it out. I didn't have a reason. A, t a professor would come up real quickly and kneel next to me, put his arm around my shoulder and, and say, David, what's wrong? They could see I was, I was moved and, and, and I would say, I don't know. And I really didn't. I didn't have a clue. And the fourth time it happened, a man preached about the need to stay available. Just keep surrendered to the Lord because he is able to lead us and to guide us each step of the way. Well, I recognized what my sin was. I was in charge of my life, and I'd been saying, Lord, how about this? I'd been steering my life. Lord, how about that? I hadn't taken my hands off the wheels, and I hadn't said, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. That day I went forward, and when I knelt on my knees, I was, I was still weeping uh, like I did before, and I noticed real quickly nobody came to pray with me. And it was like the Lord urged, my, urged me in my mind and said, it's my time, just me and you. And I said, Lord, I'm tired of the frustration. I don't know what you want to, me to do with my life. And, Lord, I, I can't seem to get any direction. Whatever it is, I'll do it if you'll show me. When I said, whatever it is, I'll do it, peace flooded my heart, just like the day I got saved when I was 11 years old. I knew that peace. And it, when that peace came back, everything seemed to be okay. Except in the next second, one word came back to my mind. Same word I heard about three years earlier, or two years earlier, Japan. It scared me as bad the second time as it did the first time. And I said, Lord, I don't know if this is what you want, but if that's what you want, I'll do it. 
but I don't have great faith. Missionaries you see stand up here and say, God's called us. You may think, oh, these, these people have great faith. I don't know that my faith was even as big as a grain of a mustard seed at that point. And I was saying the whole time, Lord, is that, is that really what you want? Would you show me? And God graciously showed me over and over again in miraculous ways. Um, I've, I've got to get to the lesson before we get too far into this. But that day when I got up off my knees, I said, Lord, would you show me? I went and stood on the side of the auditorium, which, which was kind of darker over there because we had a balcony that went around the top floor of that whole auditorium. And uh, kind of went, got out of the way, and I thought the, the director will come and pray. Our president will come and pray, and we'll be back to our classes. So before he said anything, he came up from, the, from his seat and came to the pulpit. He seemed to be staring down. Didn't say anything for an eternity, it seemed like to me. And the first thing out of his mouth was this. He said, David uh, Harris, I want you to come to the platform and tell us what God's done in your heart. Now, as I thought about it, I was crying, you know, I was weeping uncontrollably, and all of a sudden, there's peace. Obviously, he could see something happened. And so it, probably, it wasn't necessarily anything real spooky, but then I got real scared. What do I say? And so as I made my way to the platform, I'm trying to get my way out of this because if I say Japan and I don't get there, that's going to make me look bad. And I'm still not having great faith. And so I, by the time I got to the platform, I said to everybody, I said, God's called me to be a missionary. And there was a few amens. It wasn't really climactic, you know, and everybody being excited. But a few guys came up and shook my hand. Well, I had a girl that I was interested in, and we were engaged to be married, and I needed to talk to her. To make a long story short, short, when I talked with her, she said, oh, I knew we were going there, and uh, that's how we got to Japan. We spent 24 years there, and uh, that girl is sitting right back there, if you wonder. But anyway, uh, we, we had an uh, 11-month-old when we arrived in August 16th of 1988. We had two made in Japan, and then our last, our son, was born in the, in the States. They, they're not here. They, when, as they got older and they got to be about teenage years, they said, Dad, would you quit saying that? So since they're not here, I can say it. All right. Uh, we're glad to be here, and we're looking forward to spending some time with you thinking about God's Word and, and what God is doing. Um, I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles, and I had a passage of Scripture that I didn't write down that I wanted to start with. But uh, let's, let's start with the first passage I'm going to ask you to turn to, and that's Matthew 22. When I get to thinking, I can't think of two things at one time, so I lost what that, that verse was I was thinking of when I, that I didn't write down. Matthew tw- chapter 22, look in verse number 37, and what we're going to talk about this morning in the few moments we have left uh, is why we should be involved in missions. Why should we be involved in missions? And if we went around the room and were to ask you about your involvement in missions, I would like to challenge you that everybody should be involved in missions. This is the Lord's work and the, the work that uh, God intends to us to do through our local church, and everybody ought to be involved. Why should we be involved? Number one, because of the great commandment. Because of the great commandment. In Matthew chapter 22, in verse number 37, it says, And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So God has told us why we should be involved in his work, not just in missions, but why we should be living our life for the Lord is because we love him. Amen? That's, why we, that's the great commandment that God has given us, that we would love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. So whatever you do in your life, it ought to be based upon this fact. We're doing it because we love him. 
whether we work a job, whether we uh, have, are called into ministry, whether God is using us on the mission field, whether we're a pastor back in the States, no matter what it is, if you're serving in the nursery, if you're serving in the bus ministry, if whatever ministry it is, if you're cleaning the building, serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and love Him with all your heart. You know, uh, my dad's here, and he probably wouldn't want me talking about him, but I'm going to talk about him for just a minute. The love that my mom and dad had for the Lord was very obvious. Because no matter what the Lord told them to do, they were ready. They were, they were right there. They were busy involved in the local church, and that's what we grew up around. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for parents that loved the Lord. I'm thankful for churches just like yours, where, where men and women and, and families love God. And it's so obvious. And keep loving the Lord. No matter what happens in life, don't let the trials and the difficulties that come keep you away from the Lord. Let them draw you close to Him. Sometimes the difficulties and the trials that God gives us is to enlarge us so that we can love Him more. That's what it says in Psalm 4. In fact, would you turn there real quick? Uh, Psalm 4. didn't have this one in my notes, but I love this verse. Psalm 4, verse number 1. I want you to notice what David says here. He's crying out to the Lord in prayer. Psalm 4, verse 1 says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. And I'm not sure exactly what was the trial, what was the need in David's, King David's life at this particular moment. But he says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Now notice these words. Thou hast, what? Enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Now, he goes on to talk about some wonderful things, and I could preach from that passage, uh, as I've done many times before. But think about the trials and the difficulties that come into life. They come sometimes because we have gotten ourselves into trouble. But at times, God brings them into our life to enlarge us and give us a greater capacity for Him and a greater love for Him. And we need to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart and with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Do you realize that this world does not know God? And they don't know that God is love. So those of us who know God and have experienced His love, there should be one thing in particular above many, uh, among many, that is very evident in our lives. What is that? That we love God. And why are you here in Sunday school on this morning uh, here in, in March I would I'd be willing to say there's a church family here that loves the Lord. Isn't it wonderful? He's loved us, and now we can love Him, and we can serve Him, and we can worship Him, and we can come together in fellowship and have that. There for a little while, we didn't have that fellowship, did we? And everybody, I believe, was moved when we finally were able to get back. And I don't know about your circumstances here when, when the pandemic hit, but many churches had to shut down for a little while. And, and when we finally were thinking of getting back, wasn't that just exciting? We can finally get back to church, and some are still maybe not back quite yet. Everywhere I go, there's some that are still wondering, still a little fearful, still a little cautious because of health needs and so on, and, and yet we're thankful to still be a part of the family of God and to be able to love Him with all of our heart because, why? There are people in this world that need to see that somebody loves Him, and they really do. And when I was in Japan, I remember thinking, what's the difference What's one of the major differences from all of the Mormons I see out knocking on doors and the Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on doors? And God gave it to me that day, and it really encouraged me. That was, we know 
God, and He is love. Therefore, we know the love of God, and so when we're dealing with people, it should be a whole lot different than they are because they don't know the love of God. And we should serve in missions and serve in our local churches. Why? Because of the great commandment. Secondly, because of the great commission. Now turn to Matthew chapter 28. Most of us have this memorized, or at least it's so familiar that sometimes we overlook the uh, implications and the teachings of familiar passages. Think of John 3.16. We could quote that, right? And let's all say that verse together, John 3.16. Ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You recognize that if you can quote that verse, you probably know more about the Bible than most of the world. You really do. And verses like this that are so familiar, we tend to kind of sometimes say them without even thinking about the meaning and the implications. But look at at the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying... Now, I'm teaching in a Bible college right now, and we've covered this in several of our classes, and it just amazes me how God speaks to your heart about things you already know so well. And when I read that part of the verse, it just stunned me. Jesus came and spake unto them. What would it be like if Jesus came and spoke to us today? Boy, I'd be the first one to want to sit at his feet. I would be the first one to want to listen to what he had to say. Do you recognize when we read our Bibles, that's the opportunity that we have to listen to him speak to us every time we open it? Isn't that great? God doesn't speak to us through audible voices these days, and if you're hearing voices, you ought to get that checked out. He, he speaks through his word, right? And most of us know that. He speaks through his word. And here it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them. Who's the them? These are his disciples. After the resurrection, these men are now gathered together, and he's about to tell them what they are to do. And think about this. The Lord didn't speak to every Christian or every believer at that point. He only spoke to the disciples. Those making a commitment to follow him. That ought to challenge us, that we are disciples of the Lord ourselves, willing to follow the Lord and let the Lord speak to us. And so it was to the disciples, but then to the church, right? To his church, because Jesus said, I will build my church. And so the disciples are going to be involved with that which Jesus started, and that's the church. And so then they're going to be doing what the Lord wants them to do. What did the Lord want them to do? So he came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Wasn't that an amazing thought that the Lord gave them? They don't have to go out in their own strength and try to do this ministry in their own power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Because he had all power, we can do the work of God in the way that God wants it done. And so the power of the gospel is one thing I see in the Great Commission. Number two, I see an unknown, an unspoken or unwritten promise in the Great Commission. Look in verse 19. It starts by saying, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What's the next word? Baptizing. Now we in Baptist churches believe that the baptizing is for what purpose? Identification. Just like a wedding ring on my, on my left hand. You see the, my left hand, and if you could see it close up, you would see a ring, and you would... And, and you would and I could tell you that's the ring my wife gave me the day I said, I do. And I gave her a ring, and she gave me a ring. What's that ring for? 
It's for identification, that I have trusted Christ as my Savior. And it's only for identification. It's not for salvation. If I could take this ring off right now, which I can't. Anyway, uh, I, I, it wouldn't make me not married. And therefore, it has nothing to do with my marriage. And, salva- and baptism is the same. But I want you to notice the sequence here. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The teaching of all nations shows us the scope of the Great Commission. We've got to get the gospel everywhere, right? In the whole world. Did you realize that there are 150,000 people a day in the world that are dying? And did you also know that there are 275,000 people a day that are are born? So how how many people does that make that are born every day? 275,000, right. I thought I'd stump maybe some of you trying to subtract the 150,000. No, but think of that. There are 275,000 people born every day that we live. We need to reach them. And uh, oftentimes we think about the people who are passing away, and it saddens us to think how those passed away without Christ. But God would have given them a chance somewhere down the road. He put his light in them. And somebody, somehow, some way, uh, got them the gospel message so that they're without excuse. That's what the Bible teaches. And uh, what we now need to do is focus on the 275,000 that are born every day in this world and recognize that we need everybody involved in this great ministry if we're going to reach the world. And we need to get involved in the Great Commission. So what does, why does this excite us? Because there's an unwritten promise here. We're supposed to go proclaiming the gospel to all nations. What kind of a promise did God give us in this passage that's not even written? Well, look between the words nations and baptizing. What do you see? And every time I ask that question, I always hear a comma or two uh, out in the audience. But I want you to see with your eyes of faith. So it's not the comma we're looking for. What is going to happen if we will go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations, before baptism, there's going to be salvations. The Lord didn't even put it in there because it seems to be that's what's going to happen. So it's an un- I call it the unwritten promise of the Great Commission. If we'll do our part in His power, taking the gospel to the world, people will get saved. Because it says right here at Great Command, baptizing them, well, we don't baptize people, for salvation, right? We don't believe that way. It's for identification. That means somebody's going to trust Christ as, our sa- as their Savior if we'll go in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Lord. So the Great Commission is given unto us, and we have the power in verse 18 and the promise in verse 19. In verse 20, we find teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Think of those words. Lo, I am with you always. Who said that? Jesus did. God did. God says, here's the work I want you to do, disciples. Here's the work I want you to do, church. Take the gospel to the world. That's the goal that God's given to us and the challenge that God's given to us through the Great Commission. That's why we all need to be involved. You might be seeing people up here like ourselves and the Lanes last week and others before that, the Friars to New Zealand. And you might be thinking, praise the Lord, people are going. Aren't you glad of that? I sure am. I'm glad God is still calling men and women to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because why? I can't go everywhere I want to go. I'd like to be in Japan right now. But God's led me to be back here doing a different type of work in my latter years. And so 
It's kind of like the military. What, do the, what does the military do with the older guys or the experienced guys? They usually end up teaching the younger guys how to serve, right? Well, that's what we're doing in our role now. And so it, it, I really wasn't satisfied uh, with the idea of coming off the mission field until my pastor, my home pastor, said, David, uh, maybe God wants you to be more involved in missions than you could ever imagine. That's what's happened to us. We've been able to talk about our burden and talk about how God's called and talk about the great needs of the world. And we've seen God use our testimony to speak to the hearts of some who now are getting ready to go into the harvest. And so that's the work that we're in now. But what a wonderful thing it is that we all get to be involved. We all can be praying for missionaries and praying that the gospel gets to the world. We all can be giving so those missionaries still get to go to the field. How shall they go except they be sent? Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, or 15. And so we understand if the lanes are going to get to the field or if the friars are going to get to the field, somebody's going to be back home being burdened about the world and getting the gospel to the world because God's given us this work to do and we continue to give, we continue to pray, and we continue to go to keep the home base uh, hot and, and keep people here. If we're not going in our neighborhoods and our, to our families and our friends, the, the church is going to dry up and go away, and then there won't be any prayer and support for missionaries. And so we need to go as well to even here at home. So the Great Commission is not, you know what, the Great Commission is not a suggestion. The Lord didn't say to those men, guys, maybe if you think it's a good idea, let's try this. No, he commanded them. And so we have the Great Commission, and that's for not just the disciples, that's for everybody in the family of God. And we all need to be a part of getting the gospel to the world. So we thought about the great command, the great commission. Next, let's look at the great compassion of Christ. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9. We see the great compassion of Christ in many different places. I think of John chapter 4, the woman at the well, as he's giving her the gospel. And then many in that city believe on him because of the saying of the woman. In Matthew chapter 9... We also see that great compassion of our Lord. Look in verse number 35, Matthew 9, 35, and it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You know why he went there? Compassion. To give them the message of salvation. And so here in action, we see our Lord going about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. And in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. What did Jesus do when he saw multitudes? He was moved. He, 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 was, he was concerned about them. Well, how, how much was he moved? Later on. He's going to go lay his life down on the cross for those multitudes. Uh, Interestingly enough, though, God, our Lord, did not necessarily reach all of the multitudes, but there were times when he uh, did his best to get them what they needed, like the story of the lad that had the the two loaves and the and uh, the five loaves and two small fishes. He he was concerned about them and he wanted them to have what they needed that day as far as food. But then, when he went to the cross, certainly. For the sins of the whole world, he died and provided a way for the multitudes. What happens when we see the multitudes? When we go in our 
through our cities and, and see places. Does it affect you at all to see people by the thousands? I've been to some of the larger cities in our area that would be like uh, Tokyo or, or Beijing, uh, uh, Seoul, Manila, Hong Kong, millions and millions and millions of people. And it's really hard to get out of your mind when you've seen that. But we need to think of the big cities in our world. We need to think of the cities where, where we live. These, every, everybody needs Jesus. We need to care for them and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just in the two, two days we've been here, uh, uh, Dad and Miss Nancy and us have been riding through uh, some of the areas uh, south of, of the, your area, down to the Amish areas. And, you know, as every, every family I saw, I was wondering, I wonder if they know Jesus. The neighbors, that, as in their neighborhood, as we drove through and we see their neighbors, I wonder if they know Jesus. We have hearts of compassion for the people that we know and we deal with every day. We need to have the great compassion for others, just like Jesus did. That's why we need to be involved in the harvest. Now, it's time for me to stop, so I won't give you the last three in detail, but the great need of the lost. You ever stop to think about what it means to be lost? Uh, just quickly, in Ephesians 2, it tells us they're dead spiritually. They're controlled by the forces of evil. They're fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. They're with, without hope and without God in the world. Imagine what it is to be lost. And if you're here without Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you're dead spiritually and need Him to quicken you, make you alive. That's what salvation is all about. His work in you and in me. That's salvation. And that's what we, the world needs. It needs those of us that know, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. And we need to tell them that message of God's love and about God's Son and about the gift of God that's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Most of us know those things, and our world does not. So we need to be sure to be involved in the Great Commission because of the great need of the lost, the great horrors of hell. We don't even like to think about it a lot, do we? Burning forever and ever because they're paying for their own sins. God never intended that for his, for his creation. Never intended that. That's why He went to the cross. And the final point I have is uh, the great sacrifice of the cross. That's why we need to be involved. The great sacrifice of our Lord, dying for our sins, that others might be saved. Let's ask the Lord to help us to be involved in missions, especially during this much month of missions here at your church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for challenging us from your word. And I pray that you would help each one here who is involved in missions to be encouraged that you are still alive and well and on your throne and that there are souls being saved through the missionary families that they support and through missionaries around the world. Uh, and God is blessing it. Help us to continue to pray for those families because anywhere where there are men and women doing ministry, uh, there are needs for them to be filled with the power of God and to be encouraged in the things of the Lord and help us to uh, be involved in encouraging them along the way so that they can do the work that, that you have asked them to do. So, Lord, we're thankful for missions. We're thank you, thankful for missionaries. We're thankful for people who are involved in missions. Now, Lord, help us to have the great compassion that we need that we will be missionaries in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our states, because people need the Lord even here where we live. So, Lord, we're thankful for all that you're doing in these days, that you're turning men and women's hearts and young people's hearts and boys and girls' hearts to yourself 
People are ready to hear like never before. I pray, dear Lord, that you give us a great harvest of souls as a result of this great missions month. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed as we stand to our feet. Appreciate that message, brother. Needful message. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. People every day being born, those people need to hear the, the message of salvation. I hope God's challenged your heart this morning. We have the hope. We have the answer. We have the truth. We need to get it out to the lost and dying world.